Hi, guys. Welcome back to another edition. I'm Kylie Nicole, and I am a medium in Perth in Western Australia. And I am sharing my journey with you, which has become the Empowered Path program, which I'm now introducing into the world. (laughs) So last week, I spoke a little bit about my own personal journey and where I've come from and what I've done and how I got here. And this week, we're talking about the comparisons in terms of what my life looks like now versus what it looked like before, because I know that this is going to resonate with so many people who are in the same position and who probably think that they're not able to do the same transformation within their own lives. Maybe they feel like it's not the right time or they're not supported in the right way. Um, There will always be reasons for us to hide behind if we're looking for an excuse to not step up for ourselves. And especially as women, we find it difficult to make ourselves a priority. It's bred into us through generations of um, genealogical pain, actually, that we're not allowed to come first. Everybody else has to be put ahead of us and we get to make the best out of what's left. So this is definitely a narrative that I'm changing. Um, I don't believe it makes us selfish. I believe it empowers us. And again, for me, the most abundant version of us is the one that is the most powerful and the most helpful to everybody else that we have in our sphere of influence. So on that note, let's have a little dive into what this story looks like. Now, I've spoken before about how I was very corporate and how I had stepped away from that. And I I was running the WA business for a company doing software, but I was also getting my mediumship up and running alongside the day job that I had. And that, what did that look like? Trying to remember back then, um, that was in 2019, I think. Yeah, we moved back to Perth in August 2018. So I started working for the software company in the January of 2019. And slowly, slowly, you know, this is definitely not something that happened overnight for me. I started to see clients in the afternoons or the evenings around my day job. And I started to schedule that in. I wasn't charging an awful lot for my readings and that's, that's fine. I was just trying to get my name out there and trying to see how it felt more than anything else. And I found myself walking into the blue Buddha one day. Now, considering I'm a medium, I don't often get readings. I can probably count on two hands the amount of readings that I've had. But for some reason, I walked into the Blue Buddha in Whitford City and I booked in to see a lady called Susan Lee and she works with them. And I had no intention. I I promise you now, when I walked into that shopping center, I had no intention of going anywhere near Blue Buddha or getting a reading, but it all just suddenly happened and I was standing there putting my name down on a waiting list. And I walked in to see Sue and Sue is now a very, very special friend of mine. She's been such a support over the years and you'll, you'll, you're about to hear why. But I sat in front of Sue and within the first five minutes of my reading with her, she told me that I was a medium and that I was a good one and that I needed to get myself out there. She then put her own reputation on the line and she invited me to join her on a platform demonstration that she was doing at a place called Samsara World in Clarkson. And that blew me away because this lady who has been a medium for 30 years, who's highly regarded, who has, she, oh, she's just incredible. There's not much Sue hasn't done. And I really look up to her. She made space for me. 
and that that was just incredible. I was so I was almost tearful at the fact that somebody else would back me without knowing who I was. I was just a stranger who walked in and sat down in front of her. And it, it just even now it's something that I find so mind blowing. <laughs> but it was it was an incredible experience. It was a beautiful night, and I did go. I, I took her up on the offer, and I did go. And I was terrified. I was hiding behind a water bottle the whole night. <laughs> The lady who ran the venue that we were working at that night, Krista, she's a beautiful friend of mine now as well. And these are all the connections that started to come together. You know, people talk about finding your tribe. This is how it started to happen for me. I made the decision that I was going to go there. And then I just had these most incredible people put into my life for whom I am endlessly grateful. They are amazing, beautiful people. And it was such a good night and it was funny and we had a laugh and it was beautiful and it was, it was meaningful. You know, when you do this work, you're providing such a, there are really no words for it, but such a healing experience for everybody and educating and shining the light. You know, you're leading the way, you're showing people that it's possible. You're showing other mediums and light workers that they need to step up. So there's this whole other energetic conversation that happens around that. But with Sue's support, I continued with my, um, you know, taking my private bookings and stuff on the side. I was obviously still doing my day job and that carried on for a little while. And I was maybe seeing, oh, I don't know, maybe one or two clients a week. It wasn't, it really wasn't busy and it was quite hard. And I remember, I remember when I first, so I was living in Calaroo, which is like this, it's a nice little area. Nobody really knows it's there in Perth. And I was living there. And somebody phoned me and asked if I was was taking readings. And I said, yes, you know, that's fine. And we were chatting about availability. And she asked where I was and I told her. And she was like, oh, that's so-and-so's area. And she gave me the name of another medium who I didn't know uh, because obviously being new to the area. And I just thought to myself, like, what? <laughs> so I don't play a territory game. I don't, you know, I believe that we should all stand together. Every single medium that I've met uh, we all work differently and I think that's a beautiful thing and I think we should stand in support of each other and there shouldn't be this uh, undertow of whatever it was that I'd picked up on. Uh, it's not about whose error is what or who's doing this and that. Like everybody works differently. We will all reach the people that we need to work with and there's no, for me it's not a competition. That doesn't even resonate with me in the slightest bit. But I did have to deal with that kind of mindset going into it. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to see the clients I want to see and I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm not going to wait for somebody else to validate me, to tell me I'm good enough or to give me permission to start to see clients. I'd already had all the support from Sue and her backing me and, and you know, my friends over in New South Wales as well. I've got a friend, Lisa Rice, who is amazing. Uh, she's a healer in her own right, incredible woman. There's nothing she can't do. And her support and her pushing me. And I've got another friend in Perth who introduces me to all of her friends as her friend who sees dead people. So <laughs> it's awkward. But these are the women who kind of make up my tribe. And I love them and their support has been incredible for me. But I needed to validate myself. I needed to step up and acknowledge myself. And I did... I joined a circle with an amazing lady, a very, very gifted medium. And I was very happy to be there. And... I learned a lot because having done this all my life, I didn't know a lot of other stuff. Always been a medium, always been able to chat to dead people per se, 
But I didn't know some of the other ways you could play with energy. I didn't know some of the other ways you could connect, like um, all the different methods that you can use or some exercises that you can use to get a clearer message and things like that. So it was a good experience, but I kept on coming back to self. Like I'd learned stuff. I'd met amazing people. I had a really good time while I was in that space. I really enjoyed it. But I had to keep coming back to me and how I worked because nothing else felt authentic to me. So it definitely wasn't by chance. It was all about building that tribe and the connections, but then also having the faith to come back to your own journey. And that's one of the things that I've taken away from this. So I learned to stand in my own space. I learned to represent myself. I gave myself permission to see my clients, to be a medium, to do all of the things <laughs> and, you know, and to run it alongside my day job. So I still had the security net of having a salary coming in. I didn't really need to worry about the financial aspect. Any kind of money that I made from my readings was more just a, a bonus on the side, which is great. But it definitely wasn't significant. And I remember talking to Sue and saying like, oh, I really, I can't wait until I can like do a thousand dollar week. A thousand dollar week for me is going to be incredible. And Sue always supported me and always encouraged me, but I felt like it was a thousand years away. It felt like such a big ask. And my, you know, I was busy. I was definitely busy, but I had time. <laughs> so I didn't have any kids at that time. We didn't have, like we moved back. My husband does FIFO. So he wasn't around for a lot of the time. So I had time to do these things and to explore these things and to take myself off on different, you know, go down different rabbit holes and all of the above. And I had a, a glorious time doing that. So it did take me a while. And I do feel like if I had to do it again, I could definitely fast track it, but I wouldn't necessarily want to. I don't believe in overnight success. I think that you grow where you go. So I think it's really important to honor your journey, however that looks for you. But yeah, so I was doing all that and then I was bimbling along quite happily minding my own business <laughs> and my, again, I, I call them my dead people. I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's kind of an inside joke between me and them. But they'd said to me that uh, things were changing around my work. They'd said to me that the day job that I had wasn't going to be a forever thing, but they didn't give me a time frame on it or I didn't really pick up on a time frame on it. And I didn't really think about it too much either. I think they'd started telling me this in the September beforehand. I'd also just got pregnant in that at in April or May, I can't remember, but I just got pregnant with my son. And I was kind of doing the whole pregnancy thing, trying to figure that out, trying to wrap my head around that because I came to motherhood later in life. I think I was 33 when we got pregnant. And again, having kids was never on the list of things to do. My life is actually a series of doing things that were on the list that I said I'd never do. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I love it for that. I do. But yeah, so in the September, we were renting a house in Kalaroo, we're still in that area, and my dead people had said to me that things were changing, and I didn't really think about it, and I thought, well, of course things are changing, I'm having a baby in January or December, or he was due in December, but he came in January, and I was like, of course life is changing, like, there's nothing that's ever going to be the same after this point, so I didn't pay too much attention to it, and I just carried on. And anyway, Tommy was born on the 11th of January, and two weeks after that, I got made redundant from my day job. And I didn't panic. Uh, I thought it was a dick move. <laughs> it was how it was done. And I just thought it was a dick move. And especially because I was just out of, you know, I wasn't, I was still on maternity leave. I was literally like, I felt like I was just out of hospital. I wasn't, I was two weeks, you know, I'd, I'd had a week came home and I'd been home for two weeks, but uh, it felt a little bit overwhelming, but I wasn't scared of it. I just thought, okay, this is what they were talking about. And that's okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to just see my clients. I'm going to look after my baby. I'm going to enjoy this experience. 
this is not something that I'm going to flap about. And then uh, probably six weeks after that, we had a conversation with the real estate people saying that the owners of the house we were renting were selling it and they weren't going to renew our lease. So our lease was in April and they weren't going to renew our lease. So we had to try and find somewhere else to live. Now, at that time, I think it's still pretty similar, but at that time, trying to find a rental was just ridiculous. We were looking at places all over the place and, you know, we were offering money up to $900 a week to to try and get a roof over our heads to try and secure something for ourselves. At that stage, it was uh, me, Dave, my husband, Tommy, who's our son, and Saxon, our staffie. And it was just impossible. And we tried everything. Like, <laughs> we... We literally tried everything and then eventually we ended up um, essentially being homeless and living with friends of ours for three months. They made space for us in their home, which was absolutely beautiful. And I had like this little community all of a sudden where I had people to support me and um, other conversation and they made space in their home for me to continue with my readings. So I had all of that going on. Um, I had a friend watching Tommy for me. So I didn't have to worry about him when I was seeing clients. David could carry on doing his, his work. So everything fell into place and gave me support even though so what happened was I actually got supported instead of me thinking my world is falling apart I don't have anywhere to live I'm homeless with a a three-month-old baby and a dog (laughs) and uh you know I say a part-time husband I don't mean that I just mean the fact that he's only there 50% of the time because of work so I wasn't feeling sorry for myself at all anyway but I could have done But what actually happened was I was being supported. I was put into this beautiful, loving, cherishing community and I was still able to do my work and build. And this wasn't COVID as well, in the middle of COVID. Everything all happened at the same time and it didn't stop the trajectory. It didn't stop me from seeing clients. It didn't stop me from doing readings. It didn't stop me from being able to financially support myself as we were going through this. Um, I've always been very financially independent, I think because of growing up in a scarcity-based household. I've always kind of relied on myself to be supporting myself. I don't like being beholden to anyone. I don't like loans. I don't like any of that stuff. So me being able to have, have, you know, having lost our job, like my job, and then still be able to support myself was a big deal, especially when I'd only been doing mediumship part-time up until that point. But I I remember thinking, like, well, I'm going to have to put my prices up because I need to, I'm in somebody else's home for one thing. So if people want to come and see me, they, you know, I I was, I didn't, I didn't want to discourage them because, you know, you could, I could do a lot of readings over the phone or the internet or, you know, I can read in any which way. I don't need to have people sat in front of me. But I also wanted to be like, okay, well, it's going to be more expensive to come see me in person because I'm in somebody else's home. It's inconvenient to them. You know, there was all the all of the things. Um, and I put my prices up and it was like the floodgates just opened. All of these people started booking me in and I was like, wow, it was just overwhelming. It was so, so huge and so beautiful. But it definitely didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. You know, I thought that me putting up my prices was going to discourage people and maybe they would go with a phone reading or an online reading or a Zoom reading or something instead. But no. <laughs> so that was incredible. I was booked up um, a month in advance. It was, I always knew when, you know, I had money coming in so I didn't have to worry about the financials. I knew when I was busy. I knew what days I was working. And it was just, it was, when I think about it, just crazy. (laughs) But I had every afternoon to kind of do all of the other stuff that you have to do as a mom. And I had half an hour between all of my readings to spend time with Tommy and, kind of do all of the stuff you have to do in that space as well and walk sacks in and 
you know, just, just be me. And then in the afternoons we could go do shopping or go on adventures or go and play, whatever it was that we wanted to do, we could go and do that. And I started thinking to myself like, wow, this is living. <laughs> this busting your bum nine to five or nine to, you know, I was definitely at one point I was doing 60 or 70 hours a week. Um, coming home and having nothing to give any of the people that you care about, like zero fucks left to give. Excuse my French, but that's what it was. I had nothing. I was on zero capacity. I was burned out. I was tired. I was cranky. Uh, I'm a sleeper. If I don't get eight hours sleep, I am a monster in the morning. Like normally I'm a morning person, bright and shiny up at four o'clock. No problem. You take my eight hours away and it's like something has bitten me and turned me into a rabid zombie overnight. It is not pretty. It is not graceful and it is not elegant. And um, I was a lot of that when I was doing the corporate thing. I was a lot of all of those things for a long time. And suddenly this whole like, oh, well, working mornings only, but still being able to support myself financially and being able to spend time with my son and being able to go on adventures in the afternoon or adult, depending on what I needed to do, you know, in terms of grocery shopping and that. Suddenly I started to go, there is a different way. Look at this. And my eyes were open to this different ability, this different lifestyle. And then I looked around at all of these people who were head down, bottom up, like in the in the car, everyone was in these little secular worlds on their way to work or going to go drop the kids off at school or whatever it was. But they were in these little bubbles in their own little uh, ecosystem, not connecting with each other, not smiling at each other, not there's no, it was just like this go, 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 go. And it was so reminiscent of who I had been before. And it was almost like I'd popped the bubble and I could breathe fresh air for the first time in my life. I remember it just being cathartic in every way. Um, I'd actually, when I got pregnant in 2020, I'd lost my mom four months before. My mom had passed away in, um, she passed away in January. So I'd had a lot that I was dealing with and I hadn't really mum passed away, COVID happened, uh, I got pregnant and all of that was pretty huge. And then the following year, having had Tommy, been made redundant, lost the house. It was just thing after thing at that time of my life. And it could have been overwhelming, but again, it really wasn't. It was a beautiful kind of transparent is the word that I'll choose. It was a very transparent way to suddenly be living. It's almost like yeah, like you're seeing things clearly for the first time in your life and you realize you can start to see what the potential of actually living looks like. Not doing this work, 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 give, 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 not getting anything back. You're like looking forward to weekends, like hanging out for weekends. I remember on Monday just being like, oh my God, I want to die. And being so dramatic about it and literally counting down like four more sleeps for Friday, three more sleeps for Friday, whatever it was. And uh, on Friday, it seemed that I was so tired that most of that time that I'd been so desperately looking for had just like poof gone. So it was, it was just like this, oh, it doesn't matter what day it is. <laughs> I can go, I can do what I need to do regardless. Like it doesn't matter. Weekends don't actually, I'm going to avoid the shops on the weekends because I don't want to get, you know, involved in the crowds of people and things like that. And I started at that point to look at things and go, okay, so what else could this be? What else could this look like? If I am if I am doing this work, if I'm supporting myself in this way and if I'm reaching these people, what else could that look like? And um, it was, you know, my, basically my dear people had made me write a book and I wrote that. 
I did eventually write that when we were driving uh, across the Nullarbor coming back to Perth. I started it anyway. And they'd been talking about doing the podcast and everything else then. And I just, I didn't know anything about it. I still don't know anything about it. But to me, just not knowing was enough for me to not look into it. It was overwhelming enough for me to go, I'll do it later. And again, that resistance thing, you feel the resistance the most when you're exactly where you're meant to be. So I put it off. But at the same time, this thing came in about teaching other people, teaching mediums, teaching people to do things differently and to look at things in a different way. And I guess that was the beginning of the Empowered Path program, really, because I started to see how many talented, connected, heart-centered, holistic women. And I say women, I kind of aim this at women because I have been one of the faceless, voiceless, unbodied, invisible women in the workplace. I was always paid less than my male counterparts. I was always having to prove myself and do more and be a different way. Like I remember, especially when I was younger, we'd flown over to Germany to a conference about the Jag Land Rovers or something. Or it might have been BMW. I think it was a BMW. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'd flown over to Germany for this conference. And I was there with my manager, who was a woman, but a lot older than me. I was probably 21, 22. And I wouldn't drink with everybody because... We were the only women in the boardroom and we had a lot to do and a lot to say. And it was hard to try and get people to take me seriously anyway, being younger, being a woman. And I thought to myself, I'll be damned if I go out and have dinner and have a couple of glasses of wine and somebody thinks that, you know, something that I say is inappropriate or I do something that's considered immature or childish or... Yeah, I just thought to myself, I will be stuffed if I'm going to be that person that other people will turn and look at and then go, oh, well, look at her. She's so young. She's so silly. So I wouldn't drink during dinner. I kind of had my water and kept to myself a little bit. And actually, (laughs) I do digress. But on that same evening, even though I was completely sober, I ended up convincing our other manager, our our department manager, to race uh, office chairs down a cobbled street with me. So... You can still challenge people to have fun and they will still take you up on that offer even if they haven't been drinking. Uh, But that wasn't in front of everybody else. That was at the end of the evening and we were heading back to the hotel, I think. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I decided to notice all of these women who are, and there are men doing it too, absolutely, but obviously my journey as a woman and my identity as a woman in that industry has made me super sensitive to what these other women are going through. And I started to see how many of them were doing exactly what I'd done and weren't looking past that, weren't looking at another potential past what they were dealing with. And that's what really kind of opened my eyes. And I wanted to reach them and I wanted to shake them. And I wanted to say, hey, like, I didn't miss out on my son's first steps. I didn't miss out on his first clumsy words. When he rolled over, I was right there. When he was crawling, I was right there. Like, there was nothing that I've missed out on. I've never had to sacrifice anything. Not since I started to run my own business, not since I started to step into my sole purpose. Like everything has been beautiful. What are you doing? Why are you giving up so much of yourself? Why are you dropping your, you know, three-month-old baby off at daycare and crying your way to work and then coming home absolutely exhausted and not having the capacity to be there for your your husband or your partner? You know, what are you doing? (laughs) I just wanted to take them and shake them. And, you know... Sometimes I still do, but I've also learned to honor other people's journeys. Like people will come to this in their own time. And if 
they have the ability to back themselves, if they open their eyes, if they see things differently, if they're willing to give it a shot, I'll be there. I'll be there every step of the damn way because I will never, I never want anyone to go through what I went through and to to feel how I felt. I never want anyone to feel unsupported in that space. So when they're ready, I'll be there. And until they're ready, I'm still going to be there, but I'm not going to force anyone. I don't have a point to prove. I'm not going to force anyone or drag them or, you know, <laughs> throw throw stuff in front of them if they're not ready to look at it. People come to this in their own time and that's fine. And it's not just mediums that I want to represent. You know, there's so many, some of the women that I've worked with so far, one of the girls who's done the program doesn't even, didn't even have an idea of what she wanted her business to be, but she knew that she wanted something different. Um, I've worked with tarot readers, Reiki practitioners. I've worked with uh, holistic nutritionists. I've worked with, oh gosh, I've worked with entrepreneurs. I've worked with, um, I've worked with corporate women. I've worked there's. I've worked with women and from such a varied, you know, scape of life, such varied pathways, such varied backgrounds, all ethnics, all uh, sorry, ethnicities. <laughs> all stories, all everything, identifying as, you know, any of the above, there is nothing that will stop you from going after what you want when you're ready to go after it. And those are the people that I want to work for. Those are the people that I want to work with even. I don't believe in, you know, leading from the front. I believe in co-creation. So for me, it's about co-creating. It's coming into the space together and seeing what more we can do what else we can achieve. So it was only through looking at my own life patterns and looking at my own story and how things had changed for me that I realized that I could do this for other people. And having started to teach mediumship and you know run different workshops and that, I saw how many people were hiding their lights behind day jobs and behind a, a non-identity. They didn't know who they were and they weren't ready to step into looking at who they were. They weren't ready to go on that journey with themselves. And it's been an eye-opener, but it's also motivated me to finally do what I'm supposed to be doing, and here I am. So I guess, you know, they, they say experience is what you get when you're looking for something else, and that is 100% true. But when you kind of look at the befores and the afters, and when I think about the women that I've worked with so far and the transformations that they've created in their own lives – and we will talk more about that at some point. I will talk about the ladies who did the first launch of the Empowered Path program and what's going on with them. But when you look at the differences that they've made in their lives and the confidence that they've gained and the sense of self, the sense of identity and the capabilities and all of the things, you know, it's not going to be a consistent thing as well. Like we, with everything with us, we ebb and flow. So some days we're going to feel stronger than others and other days we're just going to cope and that's okay. But when I look at where they started and I look at where they were, even when they finished the course, but especially now, it's incredible. And I'm so proud of them for backing themselves. I'm so proud of them for giving themselves permission to dream about something different, to go after something different and to take the appropriate action to make that a reality in their own lives. And honored as always to be able to walk this path with them. So that's it for me for this week. Uh, I hope that this is something that you've enjoyed. I hope we've added value. I'm going to start talking about the different aspects of self, of identity, all the pieces, the pillars that need to be built and pulled together when you do start thinking about running your own business. So that's what we're going to start talking about next week. And I am really excited for that. So I hope you join me then. 
In the meantime, I hope you have a beautiful day and a great week and that the the sun shines brighter for you today. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you.